0: Today's clinic is unusual compared to our typical format. If you're new to a marketing experiments web briefing, this is where we typically uh, lay out for you the latest results from our experimentation. We actually have new case studies that we will present today, so to some extent this will be like a normal session, but it is different. It is more special, and perhaps we'll have uh, a different feel than what we would normally do. I'm going to be interacting a lot with the analysts and scientists from the marketing experiments uh, research group, and uh, we will be working with you uh, to try and review some of the most important things we've learned in 2008. Now, there is a lot of information that we're drawing from, and we're only going to look at a few case studies along with a lot of data and insights from the analysts who work with our teams and have overseen all these experiments. I personally have watched the marketing knowledge on the web evolve since its early days. I first got involved in the web before there was a Unix, uh, well, before there was a browser in Unix and Gopher Strings, and and as the years have evolved, I have watched the knowledge base grow. I started the first research laboratory in our field, I think, uh, and uh, I learned a lot. And I've learned something recently from all of my audiences that uh, I've been able to participate with and interact with. I've discovered that the IQ, the particular IQ related to marketing across the Internet has gone up If ever there was a time when we need to glean our learnings from the previous year and apply them with a vengeance, it is right now in this difficult economy moving into the 2009 calendar year. And today's clinic we are going to review and analyze important research findings, discuss action steps and strategies and methodologies that uh, you can begin to use immediately, and we're also going to answer questions. Some of you have already sent in questions that we'll be answering, but be prepared to ask questions as we go. You're going to want to use the Q&A feature to interact with us at times as you ask your own questions to us. That's a little tool in the go-to meeting uh, box that you can use as we talk. And uh, I want to begin differently than perhaps the average clinic by just sharing with you some things we've learned from talking to our audience. So. When we asked people what the greatest challenge in 2008 was, these are the kinds of responses that we've been getting. Some have said it's responding to the economic downturn. Some have said it's optimizing my site and deciding what to change and how to change it. In fact, if, uh, later on I might drill down on that particular point. Many of us have come up with the idea that testing is important, but most of us don't know precisely what to test and in the most effective way. Uh, the third challenge here, however, was testing the effects of my changes, and the fourth was interpreting the data from my analytics. These are problems that we're seeing as we talk to marketers. And um, and then we asked people who registered for this event to tell us what were some of the top lessons they learned in 2008. And uh, Charles said that the insights from watching new users work your homepage uh, are priceless. And uh, Jennifer submitted this, how misreading analytics and how bad analytics negatively affected campaigns. Boy, that's a vital lesson. Jennifer, you're touching on a plague that we're having right now across the net. A lot of people are running invalid tests and making bad marketing decisions because they are developing a false sense of confidence from inaccurate data. We're going to be talking about that. Danielle said, continually discounting pricing was training our audience to wait for a better offer that's a vital lesson too that kind of typically is in the in a marketer's lifeline as they grow in their some point in their marketing biography they start to understand that the worst incentive you can offer in any campaign is a discount i'm not saying you should never do it we do it at the right time or maybe at the wrong time but we try to do it at the right time but it is very dangerous and um let me move on. Melody says it isn't what I think is important, it's what my customer thinks is important. And Melody, who wrote this, I think who I think summarizes the most important lesson that underscores all that we have learned about optimization. Optimization is something that transcends marketing. Marketing is a negative sounding word in our society, and I'm sad for that because I know very many fine people who are marketers, but they're saddled with uh, the kind of uh, perception that their job is to use tricky language and talk people into things they don't really want to do. And perhaps some marketers attempt to do that, but most marketers are of a different mindset. And I want to tell you that what intrigues me about marketing has nothing to do with the connotation of the word. It is the fact that it really uh, it really is a, a kind of uh, field where you are studying the interaction between human beings around transaction, which is at the center of all interaction, and the biggest problem with any transaction in and among uh, people is the fact that we typically think about our interest, and we're not very good at thinking through the interest of other people, and that is the whole key to optimization. Optimization is really about anticipating a sequence of thoughts that unfold in someone's mind as they interact with your site, and, and meeting the expectations in those thoughts, and dealing with the anxiety and the friction, sector that arise. All of that is about putting yourself in the other person's place,
1: and it is a key.
0: So uh, having shared with you some of these results, let me tell you three of the top challenges that our analysts face this year. Now, I have a number of our analysts on the line. I, I don't know that I can list all of them. Many of you know Jimmy Ellis, uh, who is on the line, Aaron Rosenthal, who is with us, uh, but beyond Jimmy and beyond Aaron, there are many of the other groups working in our scientist group um, who will be introducing at various times. Adam is on the line, uh, Andy is on the line, and others that will come in at, at various points to talk with us. All of these are deeply involved in testing. We have three research groups that, uh, you know, uh, employ, I don't know, 140, 150, maybe 160, somewhere in there, uh, uh, people working and studying these areas and we pulled our own analysts. And they said that there were three keys that they thought, three challenges that marketers faced this year. One is optimizing the entire sales funnel. Most people are too focused on landing pages and they're leaving a lot of money on the table by allowing the balance of the sales funnel to leak. The second thing is developing tests that actually produce significant gains. We often read these results of 6% and 4% and and 8%, and all of that can be very good. In fact, I talked to someone yesterday that a 1% conversion lift is a million dollars. Now, I did, not one of my analysts did, and they were telling me about it. 1% conversion lift, a million dollars. But though a lot of people are testing, a lot of them don't produce significant gains. The other thing is improving the cycle of testing and optimization. There's no such thing as optimizing a landing page and then letting it be. Optimization is a process, not just an event, and it requires continual testing, and you've got to know how to do that in a proper way, because you can't do it all at once, and that's a problem that we've seen. So we're going to review case studies from tests that have worked and uh, and show you how to avoid some of these optimization pitfalls that we're learning from the last 12 months' worth of research and all of our interaction with uh, our audience. So there are questions coming in, and... Um, And we're going to look at some of those questions as we go forward, so just kind of stand by, but feel free to ask them or, or, or lock them up, and we'll start to answer as many as we can as we move through here. So let's begin with some of the actual challenges that we face, and I want to show you one of these, and then I want to drill down on an actual example, a case study. So watch these three slides and then look at the precise example that we're going to show you with uh, the before and after pages. One of the problems that we have seen uh, is the need to optimize the entire sales funnel. So that's going to be one of the first things that we look at as we study our tests together. Uh, many times there are clogged funnels. There are too many options to exit before conversion. The shopping cart process is too complex. The, there are too many steps or actions required before conversion. Uh, built-in interruptions to the process, pop-ups, etc., um, and uh, and and too many ways to exit the cart and go back into the other balance of the site and to lose your place or your way back. I have rarely ever seen a shopping cart that I was impressed with. Almost all of them are a problem, and it's no wonder that that statisticians tell us that um, you know between somewhere between thirty and fifty percent of our shopping carts are being abandoned.
1: People begin the order,
0: but they don't complete it. And this is something that you can fix. And in 2009, you must fix this if you want to capture as much revenue as you potentially can. I recall a research project where we had uh, an online group who had a subscription offering, and you paid for it uh, 12 months in advance, and uh, they were experiencing an abandonment rate of 50% in the cart. And I said to them, what did it cost you to get someone in the cart? And these were very sharp marketers, and they could get someone in the cart for $22, uh, you know, in terms of CPA. So it cost $22 to get them in the cart. I'm not talking about to make a sale, but to get them to the cart, it cost $22. So every time someone bounced out of that cart, they lost $22. We said to them, well, what if we could design an experiment together that would get way more people to stay in the cart and finish the process? And they were interested, but they were, you know, doubtful. We, we ran a experiment optimizing the, the actual cart itself, and in very short order, they saved 6,000 abandoned carts. And they quickly realized that they had been leaking money, millions upon millions of dollars, in their cart uh, as they tried to uh, get people to, to complete the process. Look at the funnel I'm going to show you now. If you study a funnel like this, uh, this is the kind of process that many people have as they move through a page. It doesn't matter whether it's e-commerce. If you're, by the way, lead gen B2B, we're going to show you a case study in 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 lead gen before we're done as well and tell you what we've learned in that particular area. And we're going to kind of walk through those three big challenges that our analysts have told us about, optimizing the entire sales funnel, developing tests that produce significant gains, and improving the cycle of uh, testing and optimization. We're going to look at all three of those, but for now, look at this funnel. This is a standard kind of funnel that we work through. There's more people at the front than there are at the back or at the top than there are at the bottom. And as you know, with good metrics, you're trying to look for where people are leaking at the key transition points. And you're trying to get more people through those transitions. Uh, having said that, the challenge that many of us have is that a, we're not using metrics that help us to understand where we're leaking or B, we have, we have bought into a very mistaken concept and that is that you sell them, they click, get into the cart and your work is done. Uh, many of us, it's like fishing. We cast our line, we hook the fish, the fish bites and we set the pole down. And when we do, uh, we wonder why the fish haven't swam to shore. Every single page in your process, must sell. Every single page in your cart should emphasize the value proposition. Yet, when I look at most carts, all of the work that was done on the landing page to get you to decide to buy stops, and I see these white pages with, 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 you know, uh, essentially just a process. Now, I don't mean that I like a page with lots of clutter on it. That will hurt your conversion in the cart. But I see nothing on the page designed to intensify your desire for the product. We actually should work harder in the cart than we did on the landing page. And we don't. And it costs us. And I am standing here. I'm actually in Florida today. I, and uh, I'm in front of my monitors and, and my staff is here are, are here all around us. And while I stand in this place in Florida, uh, by the way, and I, I hate to do this to you. I know it's unfair, and I because I know many of you're calling from all over the world. But I'm looking out the window at a blue sky and a blue ocean, and it's not even cold out. And uh, so, I'm if you're uh, you know stuck away in some cold part of the world right now or the country, I just want you to know that um, um, there's something wrong with your karma. I, I, I have you writing in making fun of me right now. Somebody says, freezing here. Blue sky. Dustin says, blue sky, I hate you. And, uh, Andrew says, the Florida jealous. The PA sucks. <laughs> uh, we're, at, we're in, we're in Pontameda Beach. We're in Florida. 40 degrees here in Tennessee. Uh, we had a smart aleck right from California. Uh, all the sun and none of the humidity. Uh, at any rate, uh, seven degrees. I don't know where you're at in Tennessee, but it's seven degrees uh, in, uh, from this guy where he's at right now. So, uh, And uh, I'll continue, but there's a lot of you writing in, and uh, I get a kick out of these things. We print them and study them afterwards. Oh, we've got someone here from Hawaii, and it's 80 degrees and beautiful. We might need to move a laboratory there. We have one of our research groups is in Minnesota, and, of course, we make fun of them all the time. Uh, it's pretty cold up there. But we're in Ponderbita Beach, Florida, and uh, or Jacksonville Beach, depending on... Uh, how far down you go here, all I can tell you is um, you, while I stand here and while you write these comments, right this moment, by the second people are losing money in their carts all over this country. I mean, they're leaking. We, we always think of marketing as an improvement, but we, don't, we, we sometimes think that if we you know, don't make this change or don't make that change, then we're not gonna be able to improve conversion. What we don't realize is that every single day we delay, money is leaking leaking out our door and into our competitors' pockets or somewhere else. So we need to get this part right. And if I were you and I was planning 2008, I would make certain sure that I had a plan in place to improve my order process. And, uh, and if, you do, if you don't know how to do it, uh, go to our website. There's $10 million worth of free research there where you can get to it. I, I'm not selling anything there that I can think of. I don't think we have anything for sale there but there's $10 million worth of research there and lots of things on the cart and the funnel, and I'm just taking a little piece from 2008 and showing it to you. Let me go on. Let's look at an actual case study. Now this is um, a B2C partner. It's an online community for artists offering free membership. This is an ongoing research partner, really smart group, and uh, I'm deeply impressed with the leadership and where they're going. The goal here is to increase uh, subscription sales. And I'm sure there are many of us that would be, uh, who can relate to that. And by the way, it doesn't matter. If you're, if you're on right now in your e-com or your lead gen, still, what we're gonna look at, we'll connect with you. And of course, we're gonna come up in just a few minutes and look at some lead gen. But right now, just the, the, the underlying principles here are critical. Which subscription path will produce a higher conversion rate? That's the question. And if you've taken our, 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 our Fundamentals of Online Testing course, you'll, you'll know what that is. And then here's the approach. The test ran three versions of the subscription path. The control was a four-step process with an email validation. Treatment one was also a four-step path, but the test did not validate. Treatment two is the one we're using now. used a three-step path, offering an upgrade on the sign-up page. Do you hear that? An upgrade on the sign-up page. Again, all the pages are working. So, one other observation before we go on, the initial path requires users to open their email and click a link in that email and launch a new browser window. So let's look at them. Here's the original path. What you're seeing is membership path one, uh, or step one, and then down below uh, you'll see step two, and then step three requires you to return to process and complete membership. So step one, and step two, and step three. And uh, and this is a reasonable-looking subscription page. This is kind of what a lot of us have, but I want you to look at the page, and you can see there's nothing on this page that is working to keep you in the process. We'll talk more about that. Even our redesign page will have very, very little difference there just yet. In the next versions of the test, this is a recent test, by the way, in the next versions of the test, we will punch up the value proposition. But for now, look at these pages, and I think I have one of the analysts online who can talk about this test. Who's standing by for this particular project?
2: Hi, Flynn, it's Adam.
0: Adam, all right, so Adam, uh, you wanna just, I'm gonna move to the new version, which is just one more treatment, and I'm hoping the audience, if you're listening here now, what I'm looking for are transferable principles that you can take back and apply to your own situation, But, Adam, describe the the main changes in treatment two, or in path two.
2: Sure. Essentially, the optimization strategy here was just to simplify each step of the final process. Um, So for this first step, we um, simplified the way the upgrade was presented. If you remember from the, the control, there were several buying decisions presented, Whereas on the, um, on the treatment, there's essentially just one buying decision. Do you want to upgrade or do you not? Um, for the second step in the process, we simplified it by just removing it completely. Um, the control had an email validation step, and uh, our new treatment pushed that email validation to post-transaction. Uh, and, go ahead.
0: No, you go ahead, Adam.
2: I was going to say, and finally, on the third step, we simplified it by um, shifting from a shopping cart format, as the control had, um, to just a simple payment page um, that didn't allow users to continue shopping or um, you know add multiple products or just exit from one of the numerous links that they um, had available on the page.
0: Now. What's important for you to understand is that this is the beginning in a series of tests, and we're isolating variables. So if you look at the new page in front of you, what you're not seeing is a lot of the value proposition pumped up, but what you are seeing is strong credibility indicators on the right-hand column and a simplified process that reduces friction and makes it much, much easier for the audience to make a decision. I'm getting static, is anyone else hearing that or is that just on my line? All right, so with that in mind, let's see what this simple reduction in friction produces for this group. All right, here's the difference in conversion. The treatment outperformed the control by 89.23%. That's 90%, that's almost double. This is a fresh test, just occurred, and now we can take that same number and improve it dramatically by intensifying the value proposition and doing other things that we add to the process. Now, if you're just logging into this uh, and, and just kind of trying to see, well, how does this apply to me? I just want to give you something that, in fact, this will not be in the slides that I'm adding. It's something I've, I've been narrowing down in 2008, and you may just want to take notes on your own for this key piece. When you're trying to fix the page, There are only a couple of things you can really do. There's three, depending on how you do your classification. The first is you can take stuff away. The second is you can improve the stuff you got. Or the third thing is you can add new stuff. Now, I'm deliberately using slang here. You can take stuff away. You can improve the stuff you've got, or you can add new stuff. In this particular approach, we did the thing that you often should do at the beginning of your test. We took stuff away. We made it easier. We simplified. Now that we've done that, we will try to improve stuff and we will try to add stuff. What do I mean by adding stuff? I mean that we might have strong testimonials added to these pages or some other key thing that will start to help emphasize the value. We could add an extra incentive. There are other ways we could drive up conversion, but it begins sometimes by stripping down. Once you've stripped down and and, and got your improvements, then you add back only those elements that improve the overall performance. Now, I just want to verify that I'm the only one hearing that static again, because I'm getting it very strongly. Uh, Can you just let me know, is everyone hearing me clearly? No, they're static. Only on phones in Florida they're static, I'm being told. Okay. Good. I'm going to keep talking. For those of you, if you're if you're hearing it in Florida, bear with us. I'm not sure what that is, other than my bragging about our weather has somehow angered the the gods, and we're now uh, on, uh, experiencing a phone static across uh, our state. Uh, but at any event, I'll continue. So um, <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at that study, and let's just move to conclusions. One key difference, removing the email validation step, reduce friction. If you've got email validation, look for ways to simplify the process. Language. The improved headlines appear to have a positive impact. Headlines are one of the easiest ways to get a gain. And then potential follow-up tests, new headlines, radically shorter paths, simple offering, and then all the things that we can add. All of those are keys. And here's principles that you can probably use across your other work. One primary obstacle to automation is an attachment, emotional, financial, or otherwise to current practices. This is not a problem in the mind of the consumer. This is a problem in the mind of the marketer. We get stuck thinking we have to do it this way and not, you know, we don't challenge ourselves enough with a completely radical redesign. And you need to, you need to look and see, do I have bias? In the investment world, Bias is one of the key ways for you to lose significant money. It's the same thing in marketing. More than once I've been told when I proposed the design, but that's not the, I won't name the company, but the such-and-such such company way. And I'm thinking, well, I know that. Uh, that's the problem. Your way doesn't work. We need to improve it. And you've you got to get over that if you can. I know there's politics, and it's not as easy as, as, as me saying it, but be on guard at least. Review your funnel like a customer advocate and consider the most appropriate time for cross-sell or upsell, and be very careful that you see it from the customer's point of view. And of course, eliminate all friction, delays, interruptions, or unnecessary steps from your phone. All right, so having said that, I want to take a poll with you right now and see as we think about better testing, which connects to one of the other things that we've learned from 2008. Let's just look at these five keys. Which test do you conduct the most? So there's a poll, and uh, you, can, you can use the polling feature to vote. We're going to open the poll and uh, get going here. All right, so you should be able to use uh, your screen right now and vote. What's been your greatest challenge? I think that's a different poll. I need to close that poll, all right? Well, we'll, we'll start with that. What's been your biggest challenge? Let's see, what, let's see how you respond to that. All right, so go ahead and vote on that first, and I'll take you to the next poll in a second. What's been your greatest challenge in 2008? I'm just going to let you vote. Uh, is, everyone, is everyone clear with how to use the polling mechanism? All right. Should be pretty self-explanatory. Vote faster, guys. Vote faster. I want to get to validity, and I'm going to close the poll out. All right, so let's let's close the poll, and this is what we see. There you go. Responding to economic downturn is 24%, but optimizing my site is 40%. Testing the effects of my changes is 14 and interpreting the data is 22%. All right, so now I want to ask you a different question, and this is going to This is gonna lead to what I'd like to show you next about testing, and that is which type of test do you conduct the most? We're gonna open the poll, and let's get you to vote. Which type of test do you conduct the most? There you go, all right, 16% of you have voted. Just select one of these options. I want to compare you with our sister research group marketing, Sherpa. We did a similar uh, survey, and uh, I want to look at that. It was in one of our – the landing page handbook. But let's see how your numbers compare with that survey. All right. We're getting ready. About five more seconds, we'll close the poll. Here we are. All right. So here's how you voted. 34% use A-B split test. 16% multivariate. 10% Taguchi read analytics but don't test. 33%. 8% use the coin toss and go with the guts. All right, so looking at that for just a moment, it it does indicate something very significant that's taking place on the net. Marketers are waking up to the fact that they need to test. The problem is they aren't testing very accurately. And and these are the methods that we're seeing most often used, and there's a lot of confusion around these methods. When we did the Sherpa survey, what we discovered was A-B tests on a landing page, 42% do that. 21% are doing multivariate tests, and 9% are doing Teguchi style. Now, there's a similarity between Teguchi and multivariate, and some people don't know the difference between these. Uh, But one of the things that I discover is that multivariate testing, which is useful, which we employ, in fact, we've written courses on how to do it. However... Uh, it has very specific and very limited application, and you need to be careful about when you use it. It can take a very long time to get true validity on a multivariate test, number one. And number two, uh, often the improvements are smaller in terms of the overall percentage of conversion increase because of the overall design in multivariate. There's more I, I'd like to say on that. But I want to talk to you right now about the pitfalls of testing, and then I'm leading you up to another case study. Before I go any further, use the poll feature, I'm sorry, use the uh, question and answer feature and tell me what is your biggest problem or question about testing. Go ahead and write your questions in to me right now because we're going to look at those in just a moment. While you're, while you're writing those in and they're coming yes. in, you know, from different places, for instance, uh, Jennifer just says, what is Taguchi? And uh, I probably will direct you to a place on our site where you can learn more about Taguchi but, uh, Taguchi is actually the last name of a, uh, of a uh, scientist who developed a way to conduct testing with, uh, very specific applications that apply to engineering and other fields and it's been applied to marketing later. Uh, so here we go as I look down at your questions and your challenges. Very interesting. I don't know how to create valid tests and where to start, says Kevin. Getting my webmaster to implement the pages so I can test, that's a common problem, says Robert. Finding time is a big problem. Uh, Knowing how long the testing period should be. Not getting enough traffic to test in a reasonable time frame, that's a common problem too. Knowing what variables to test, what do I change, how should I change it, that's Stephen. Biggest problem is having the time to test, says Arthur. Uh, Getting meaningful, worthwhile variables to test, says Kerry, that's a huge issue and uh, and knowing how to determine significance in the results, what to do with the results. Historical effects, instrumentation errors. Stephen, you're a certification graduate. I can tell by your vocabulary. Well done. Technical problems and validity of the analytics. Uh, we do teach a certification program in this, uh, and I'm not here, I don't even have a landing page for it to offer you right now, but I'm telling you that you need to get basic certification in testing so that you can conduct these tests, particularly going in the next year. For now, however, let me try to help you with uh, some of the major pitfalls you need to avoid. One of these is something that I mentioned earlier, and that is bias. That's approaching a test with a clear predisposition towards a particular outcome. Your bias can 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 really hurt you. For instance, let's suppose, I see this all the time, let's suppose you're a uh, you're a fast-driving entrepreneurial-type leader who's running tests with your marketing department, or you're a marketer who's very entrepreneurial, and you're actually connected deeply in a financial way to the results. You start a test. You have a hunch in your gut that you've got a design that's going to work much better or a new headline or some variable you're going to change. You change the test, believing that's a, going to be you know, the best way to go. You start it. The bell curve begins on the statistics uh, flow and you start seeing a better result for your new design. And so you quickly declare victory, switch everything over, and go on looking for something else interesting to do. Your bias, along with your impatience, has, has caused you to accept the result before it's been validated. And I gotta tell you, listen, these results in the beginning of a test are all over the map. If it takes me 10,000 samples to get validity, it's amazing how they change in the first thousand, first five hundred. In the early days of testing, I've seen my young junior analysts here get all excited because they've got a huge lift. But the question the experienced analyst always ask is, yes, but is it valid yet? Because that lift can shift. And if you're making results either for or against the test before you reach validity, you're making a mistake. So, bias and impatience are problems. Uh, uh, extrapolation. Overreaching conclusions from limited test data. We see this all the time. Failing to prepare the follow-up tests is a big problem, and data problems. We are doing, we don't understand that there's a lot more to validity, a lot more to validity than just your sampling size. So let's look at an example right now. In fact, I'm going to have Andy, who is an analyst working with our team, to talk about uh, this next slide with you. And explain you know, a, a real-life example. This is a graph result of a four-week email test with an e-commerce retailer. And I just want you to understand why
1: looking at this improperly could create a problem. So, Andy, go ahead. Okay. Uh, this is a, a test that we did with an, an e-commerce partner. And uh, as uh, as Flint explained, it, it, it ended up being a four-week test. But as in the first initial period, you can see here to the left of the of the first heavy blue line, uh, we collected data for two weeks and looked at the results, and we found the results to be uh, statistically valid, showing that the treatment that we were running was uh, was outperforming the control. Uh, you know, we were we were excited, and the and the, and the partner was uh, uh, was very excited, but we did not feel like two weeks was a long enough period of time to uh, eliminate the the validity threat due to history effects. So we continue to run the test. Andy, uh, Andy, 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 yes. explain history effects. Symmetry effect is the uh, is the uh, validity threat you have on a test due to uh, changes in customer behavior over periods of time. So, in a two-week period, that may not be if, uh, there's some maybe something happening in that short of a period of time for this particular partner uh, that is skewing the results one way or the other. So, we needed to sample for a longer period of time to mitigate the effects of that.
2: Excellent,
0: excellent, excellent. So go on and continue continue with this slide. Is it clear then what the problem was here? Just
1: the the only the other point I'd like to add here is that you know we continued to to collect data and then we looked at it here in a three week and then in a four week period and uh, and in the third and fourth weeks we found the, the data uh, not to be statistically valid. So uh, we we took a, a closer look at the at the daily data and charted it here in this uh, in this chart and we saw that. Uh, there were some, some outliers to the data that were, that were skewing our results one way or the other. So we had to take a real close look at those outlier days to try and determine whether or not uh, it was okay to exclude those. Uh, so in, in the long run, the results of the test, we, we found that we were able to exclude certain outliers and not exclude others, uh, and the result was that there was no significant difference between the control and the treatment for this test. But we would not have known that had we stopped the test only after two weeks uh, when we had the result, you know, a positive result that we were looking for and didn't, you know, follow with our test methodology all the way through.
0: Now, I want to ask a question to my audience. So uh, here's my question for you. I, You know, it's difficult to make my data for you in one of these calls match your level of experience, but how many of you think you've conducted a test in the past that was likely invalid and you weren't able to detect it? Would you just go ahead and use your... Use your Q&A feature just to tell me if, if you think you've experienced this before. I'm seeing a lot of these come in. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, I sure have 100% sure. Yep, I got one maybe, and uh, and it looks like dozens of, uh, of, of you coming in and saying yes. See, guys, we can help each other. Some of you should get involved uh, in a, one of our websites called the Marketing Experiments Network, and – that's a site where a whole bunch of people who test are talking to each other about what's going on or what they're learning. I think it's marketingexperimentsnetwork.com. We haven't said much about it because we're beta testing it. But uh, what I feel like when I see you answer me honestly, and I appreciate your honesty, is that while a lot of people are testing, a lot of us are, are not doing it as well as we ought to, and it's costing us money, and we don't even realize it. And, you know, that's, uh, our goal here is to help you discover what really works. That's our, that's the whole key. That's what drives us. And if we can't get your testing right, it won't matter. The rest of this won't matter. So uh, I'm, I'm going to continue, and I want to show you some things. We're going to send you in email because we're not going to cover all of this today, but we are going to send you these, this entire presentation, and you'll be able to see it. And one of the things is what is the this is testing checklist. And this is a checklist that you should ask yourself when you get involved with any test. And this checklist will help you, and, and it's something you can do even if you're not sophisticated. And I'm not gonna read it right now, but I'm just gonna give you the assurance that it's coming. I'm leading up to looking at another case study, but I, I wanna make sure I've given you enough information here to truly help you. Uh, the second thing we're gonna send you is, a, uh, is areas where you can grow and improve in, testing room for growth. Everybody that's on this call will get this. And uh, and then we want to talk to you about, you know, the levels of testing. I want to make one comment on this slide. You'll get this, and you can look at it later, but there's one comment I want to make for you, and that is that we ask the wrong question. Marketers have a special opportunity to dig deeper with one interrogative, and that is the interrogative why. Interrogative uh, why is the spade you can use to learn. We're too busy wanting to know how, and we're not We're not serious enough to ask the question why. We want to know how this is going to work. Once it works, we've got to move on because we've got pressure from the management team and pressure from sales, and we're trying our best to get all this done. But we need more time for reflection, and we need to ask more why questions, and that will dramatically improve our test results. Now, this is not in my plan for today, but I was looking at one of these earlier, and I've got a whole library of test protocols, and I just happen to have this one in my uh, digital notebook, and I'm going to pull it out. This, this is an actual protocol that we use for measuring a test. and I want to show this to you before, and right after this, I'm going to the case study. So uh, I'm trying to open it. and that means I'm going to take us out of the PowerPoint presentation because this is not in our plan for today, but I think it'll help you. It's coming up. It's a, it's a spreadsheet tool. And I want to show you this uh, as a a way of organizing your test and talking about why. If on this phone call I could do no more than to get, uh, you know, we have uh, 1,500 people registered for this call. If I could just get this body of marketers to say we're going to go down deeper and ask why more often this year, then 12 months from now we'd all learn a whole lot more and we'd be better at what we do. I'm having some lag time opening up the document that I want to open, so I'm not sure We're not sure what the issue is. We may come back to that and just continue uh, for now, and I'll go to the case study. Okay, I've got one here on the desktop. Let me try one more time here. There it is. I got it. All right, I I want you to see something here. Here are four screenshots from something that we're testing. All right, so you should be able to see it. This was uh, this is a previous test, and um, this is a spreadsheet tool that we call a test protocol. And it's really a, a, a spreadsheet that's been carefully designed. And I'm taking you to the first tab, which is a summary of the test. This is the formula that we use here at Marketing Experiments to conduct valid tests. And there's the question, the treatment, the metrics. This is how you do validation, uh, history effects, and all the threats that you could have. This is. I'm just sliding down the screen so you can get a sense of this is the summary tab that tells us all about the test. Now the next two tabs are validation. And the next one is the optimization background information that we use to decide what we're going to test. And the next one is screenshots. Then I'm going to come over here to the summary. I want to talk to you about the summary and I'll move on to my case study, but please, please listen to me. There are two things I want you to be aware of right now. First of all, A whole group of you are becoming insecure as I talk about this because you're thinking to myself, well, we're not a scientist. I could never do this. I I can't pull that off. But listen, you don't have to be a scientist to get this basic understanding of how to test. Many of my... The smartest optimization guy I have on my team, or at least one of the smartest guys I have on my team, has a four-year degree in food nutrition science. And I single-handedly watch him make millions of dollars I watched another team member do, make, two months ago uh, make $53 million for one retailer in one test. These guys are brilliant, and, and 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 you don't have to be a scientist or a mathematician to conduct a valid test. There's a few things you need to learn, and I'm going to send you out a checklist, and uh, or or help you take you know somehow get the information you need. But you do need to do this, and everyone on the phone, this is my second point, can can, can do what I want to show you next. Do you see after the test is done, do you see the sixth tab? It says interpretation. Why? Because each one of these, that sixth header says interpretation, each one of those tied to this formula, a useful test equals 2Q, that's the research question, plus the treatment, plus the metrics program, plus the validations program, that's 2V, or the, or validation, you know, plus the amount the of validation methodology, plus the interpretation. We skip I. We don't interpret our test well enough. This is where we learn about our customers, and this is where you translate data into insights. If all you're asking is, did it work or not, or did this work better than that, you're missing the value of testing, and you're not growing as a marketer. You're going to be an expert marketer because you're going to become an expert in human nature and, and, and the behavior associated with it, and that only comes if you ask why. I'm going on to my next case, study. and uh, I'm going to, as I do that, can I just get a bit of feedback before I go forward because I'm planning the next event. When I talk to you about this testing and when I talk to you about the why question, is this helpful or are you saying, quit preaching at us, Dr. McLaughlin, and move on? Give me some feedback because this help you. I, I need to know if i if I should just be telling you the case studies and I'm not uh good yeah you're you're talking to me <laughs> your feedback is awesome good good all right well that 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 encouraged me to keep going then all right so i I'm going to take you to a case study i'm going to show you this in ex- This, again, and I want you to learn something here, not just how this merchant got better, and I don't want to try to just impress you with how smart the scientists team are. I want you to get something transferable that you can take back and use. So here's the case study. It's a B2B partner. They want to increase the conversion rate. They want requests for quotes. Now, we're going to have to conceal their name and so on. We're trying to protect them because uh, they've asked us to. And which conversion path will yield a higher RFQ conversion rate? That's that simple. You know what an RFQ is, request for quote. The control is a detailed form that must be completed in order to generate an RFQ lead. The treatment, the new page, uses a configurator. Now, that's an interesting concept, and that's something you could learn. I have seen some serious money made in the past by using a configurator. So, with all of that in mind, let's just go forward then. All right. So, I am looking at the original page, and much of it's been blacked out, but it doesn't matter. In a minute, we'll, we'll show you something clear enough that you'll get the idea. This is request a quote. Here's nine reasons why you should do it. That's the first step. This is giving you nine reasons, which is smart. This is a pretty good page. This is a pretty smart operator I'm impressed with them and I like them step two is the information form and step three is confirmation so here's the information form and this you can see without well it's blacking out a lot you can see enough to get a sense that it's a simple and now we're at the treatment by the way this is the control nine reasons and then step three is confirmation all right Uh, fact, as I'm talking about this who worked on this project which analyst did that's just Paul Okay, Paul, go ahead and describe what's happening here as we go to the next page.
3: Okay, on on the control, the user hit the home page and needed to click on request a quote. Uh, They then landed on a page that had uh, 14 or 15 fields that had to be filled filled out, Um, some of it highly technical in nature, and most of them were not drop-down boxes. They were actually having to come up with the information themselves, Uh, so it was very difficult to fill out the form. And, uh, step three was the confirmation. And we were seeing that 80% of the people that, uh, landed on the, uh, request to quote page were not completing, uh, the process. We're yeah. not submitting our Q form.
0: Okay, interesting. Alright, well, let, let's look then at the treatment. I'm gonna show them this and I'll explain the treatment as we go there. Alright, so here's the, here's the, the page that we developed. And uh, explain to us how you're thinking now, Paul.
3: Okay, since the main objective uh, of the site is to um, obtain RFQs, we decided to make it the main focus uh, right from the get go. Um, and we decided to uh, add an email capture at the beginning um, to allow us to do a recovery process. And but we... like, explain
0: what you mean by recovery process, Paul.
3: In other words, if someone starts the process and doesn't complete it, we have uh, a way to get a hold of them and uh, try and get them back in, re-engaged in the process and uh, get the RFT submitted.
0: Excellent. All right, so continue. And then we
3: also, this is the start of a configurator where they enter information. Uh, there were three basic types of equipment, and they select which one of those three they want, and then Questions come up pertaining to each of those specific types. Um, they all appear on the same page, so it doesn't look like, like as many multiple steps as, uh, as are shown there. Uh, and one thing that I wanted to really point out here on this test that I thought was real important is when we started going through to create the configurator, we determined that there were four or five questions on the original form that were only needed to complete 5% of those uh, quotes. So uh, they could ask four or five less questions, and get 95% uh, of the quotes taken care of. And so we grouped those 5% into a, a third group uh, where the result of that is, you know what, this is a complicated uh, process. You need to call us uh, to get this particular quote. So we didn't uh, – we eliminated the friction involved with those four or five questions, and we're still capturing 95% of the audience. Uh,
0: Excellent. So.
3: Excellent point. Excellent point. Excellent
0: um, point all right so so this is how we simplified the process, and remember this isn't just a lead, it's a request for quotes, so it's serious. Uh, Paul, um, I'm going to show them the results now from the test. Is there anything you want to add before that?
3: well the one side note I wanted to say is that we we added the email in order to do uh, recovery however we felt we found out after running the test that ninety percent of the people now were completing the process after starting it so uh, even though recovery is important, um, we simplified it so much that uh, almost everybody was getting through uh, the process okay.
0: That's outstanding. So if you're thinking about this, here's something transferable. Number one, the email capture allows us to go back and get people who don't complete the process, and sometimes they don't complete it not because they're a poor quality lead but because something comes up and they're distracted, et cetera. But number two, by making the process, by redesigning it in configurator fashion, which we can show you in more depth later, and we might do a special research project, or report, or re- a web clinic just on configurators. Essentially, these, this this company was able to get a 109.58% increase. Now, and fun? Yes, yes, simpler, um, uh,
4: I think, right? Yes, yes. Um, uh, I have a couple of other uh, transferable principles, but um, if uh, if we can go back to the um, to the control. Just a couple of other yes. observations. Yes, go ahead. Um, the uh, one difficulty on the control page is that uh, you'll notice that there is no call to action. Uh, we've got uh, nine reasons why you should uh, uh, why you should choose this uh, company on, on the list there, but um, there's there's no call to action there. On the, um, anyone who wants to to take action and uh, request a quote needs to find in that top nav, which is. Um, which is a dark blue with a with a kind of mustard yellow. Uh, request a quote, um, so it's not I like think they'd have to search uh, to to even begin the process. Yeah, um, yes. Yeah. And those who get to step you know to the step uh, the next form, uh, rather lengthy. Um, we talked about a what we refer to as a configurator, which is uh, which is just um, our term for something that um, that walks someone through kind of like an expert uh, you know system that, uh, that does a kind of a q and A you know, uh, rather than depending upon them to, to identify, um, you know, yeah. so much up front. Uh, it helps them, it walks them through the process that way it would. Um, so the step two uh, had elements of that, but essentially, as, as Paul pointed out, they had to come up with answers to those things and, and caused a great deal of difficulty-oriented friction. Um, you know, the, it, it was difficult to, to uh, figure out what was being asked in, in some cases and slowed people down in the uh, in the conversion process. Um, and then ended on the on the confirmation page. So on the on the second, going to the treatment, um, the Bob, treatment Bob, process.
0: Bob, 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 Bob. I got to cut yes. you off, brother. I got four okay. minutes left. Bob's our director of sciences, and he's got really important information here to to, to give you, but I I can't. I, I got to get through the end. We might need okay. to go into. Made it form, easier. Bob. Okay. Made it, made it easier.
4: <laughs> it made it easier, and I,
0: I'm sorry, Bob. I don't mean to be impolite That's at all. Not at all. Uh, he, he oversees all of our scientists, and he's got a lot to add, and I, I don't mean to be on I, I just I have just four minutes left, and I, I promised you some Q&A. Let me just say this to all of you. Um, you I'm sure everyone here could use a 109% increase in their conversion, and uh, even 50% might be good. We're going to send you the balance of this with what we learned about this in configurators and what to do next in your testing process and a series of transferable principles and a key summary, all of you will get this. But I want to do what I promised you I'd do in the end. And, Bob, you can help me with these answers as well as Jimmy and the rest of you that are on the line. But here, let's take some questions. So as fast as possible, I'm going to try to answer questions in our remaining moments together. Um, number one, can lessons learned in online optimization carry over into offline direct mail programs? In other words, can you learn this? Yes and apply it to offline, direct mail, uh, postcards and all that. You bet you can. It's the same process. It's not a web page you're optimizing. It's a thought process in the other person that you're optimizing. And, uh, and you optimize that thought process by changing the physical cues the, that they see on a web page or in a direct mail piece, but the principles are the same. Someone says, given a wide range of variables, even on a single landing page, what are the best combinations to test? Uh, uh Jimmy, what are some of the best combinations that you like to test? Jimmy Ellis. If you're with us, Jimmy? Okay. Uh, let me let me just ask one of our other analysts what are what are some of the best combinations that you like to test? Uh, Andy or Bob, feel free to jump in. Aaron, if you're there. Anyone? Are we do we have an audio issue guys? I think we've got an audio issue, so let me answer the question. Uh, given a wide range of variables, even on a single landing page, what are the best combinations to test? Well, I, I think the easiest thing to test to begin with uh, have to do with the headline, and I would test the headline and the subheader because the goal of the headline and my subheader is to get them into the first paragraph. If your first paragraph is strong and that's even on a retail page, you need a paragraph of text, meeting people, greeting people, telling them at, telling them where they can go. I would work with my headline, and I would also work on my call to action. Someone says, what are the best methods of driving? This is Daniel. Attention to three completely separate offers. It's better to drive them from the channel, not from a page where they have to pick from three different options. You will lose people if you do that. It's better to try and detect them in the channels and drive them forward. Let's, uh, let's take another question from the audience real quickly in our last couple of minutes. Just go ahead and write in your question quickly. There we go. <laughs> David, uh, some of you are writing some humorous things in here. Come back to me with a question that I can help you with. Okay, uh, sources for great headlines. Let me just tell you, if you have a question for sources of headlines, we did a whole clinic on this in the last two months and you can go to our website and it tells you step-by-step step how to build your headlines and gives you examples. That's what I would do is if I was thinking about best headlines. Someone they says focus on value proposition. Absolutely, absolutely. Someone says long pages or short pages uh, uh, in terms of landing pages. In most cases, it depends on the complexity of the sale. But when there is a complex sale or there is an expensive item, and this is an e-commerce, not a B2B uh, lead gen, you need a long landing page. I use shorter pages for lead gen, shorter pages for getting people to start free processes but long landing pages are still very valuable, and don't be afraid about length. Some of the best landing pages I've ever seen were 20 pages long if you printed them, but they produced the highest possible yield. We saw that with the New York Times in a series of tests. Um, someone said, um, uh, how, can, "How can I get help?" Some of you, the, the question about research partnerships. We'll show you a slide at the end, and you can see how to apply to get a research partnership to get help with your pages with one of our groups. Uh, Someone says, uh, do you have any testing case studies for service businesses? We have a lot of them, Pete. Go to the website and look for examples there, or better than that, Pete, I'll have – I see your last name. Uh, Bob, can you see that we send uh, some case studies to Pete from our lab that have to do with service businesses that might be able to help them? Um, Someone said – can you answer Fabrici's question, which is on this page? And so we shall. We are developing a community website. Our product is in effect getting user participation and involvement. How can we use your techniques when the product is not tangible? Excellent. Well, the, the there's not a short answer, Fabrici, but we've been developing a heuristic for viral campaigns and for increasing page views, which we tested with Car and Driver, and we got a 74% increase. And uh, I'll tell you what um, – Write us separately and we'll see if we can point you in a direction to some some thinking about that and tell us a little bit more about the the overall project. All right, I I must stop. Our time is out. I am so grateful that you've been with us again. Today's program's been different than our normal approach, but I hope you found it useful. It's looking back over 12 months worth of data and experiments and trying to find something we can give you that you can go back and get results with for 2009. Uh, let me just invite you to, to take a moment if you would and tell us, give us feedback on this particular clinic. Tell us if you found it helpful. If you, uh, if there's, you know, your feedback is read and studied and it's how we've designed these. If they've all been rebuilt and built, and built around the things that you share with us. If this was helpful today, please let us know. Also, uh, many of you are asking, can you get this session? Yes, you will. We will give you this session. Uh, we will email it to you. Uh, and then, uh, can you improve results in a... Oh, yeah, some of you are asking, yeah, the, the, um, we will also send you... You can access the site. All, those, all the research and case studies are free. Just get there and get them and download them and use them, and we'll do everything we can to help you. We'll be back again uh, in 14 days, and we're grateful for your feedback and input, and uh, we'll keep trying hard to discover what works. Tell a friend.